0: Welcome to the Meme Stream. To the Meme Stream. To the Meme Stream. Hello, out there, and welcome to the Meme Stream, the podcast following meme students, present and past, on their adaptive walks of life as they embark on a career in evolutionary biology. The Meme is a unique master's program that enables upcoming evolutionary biologists from all over the globe to study and research in Europe. This podcast will travel all over Europe and the world, leaping, as Dawkins says, from brain to brain, meme to meme, telling tales of our scientific ventures and research projects. I'm Kate Garland, one of your travelling hosts and creator of the Meme Stream, coming to you from Montpellier, France, And this is episode one. This episode is brought to you by the wonderful and the lovely Mervé Osdoprak, who is currently doing her third meme semester in Australia and is now a meme stream traveling host. Mervé got to interview the past meme student Daniel Mendez when they both were in Montpellier, France for the Joint Congress of Evolutionary Biology this year. They're going to be talking about one of Daniel's past meme projects on the speciation and population genetics of the Moroccan spiny-footed lizard. Now a bit of advice. This podcast will very quickly plunge into the pool of evolutionary thought. So if you ever find yourself lost in the rambling of these two scientists, we have a great meme stream blog where we have extra bits and pieces of information for each meme stream interview that can help you gain a bit more understanding. Also, a main aim of the meme stream is to keep this conversation going. So if you have a question about something you heard on the podcast, you'll be able to submit it at the bottom of each blog where either the interviewed scientist or another helpful and knowledgeable meme can answer you. And now, over to Merve and Daniel.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Meme Stream podcast. Uh, my name is Merve and I'm coming to you from Montpellier, France, where the ESEP conference is currently going on. I have with me Daniel Mendes. Hi.
2: Hi, glad to be here.
1: And he'll be talking to us about his experience about Meme and his project that he conducted during the Meme program. So tell me more about your project that you conducted during your master studies. Where did you conduct it and what was it about?
2: So it was actually here in Montpellier. It was for my fourth semester and it was in the um, population genetics and speciation genetics of a group of of lizards called the Acanthodactylocerithyrus species concept. And the idea was to try and understand which populations are populations of one species and which populations are actually different species. And this is a, a lizard, a small lizard that lives in Morocco. And what we did was to try and find genetic markers that could differentiate these populations and if these differences could be linked to the morphological traits that uh, have been analyzed before. What we found at the end was that actually some of the most distinct populations from the mountains in Morocco are actually different species compared to the other uh, populations.
1: How does specific population genetics of these Moroccan lizards differ from species genetics?
2: Um, mostly, is the assumptions of the models that are used. So, population genetics assumes that there's somehow uh, gene flow and interbreeding, and you sample, you look for markers that are both conserved and derived between these populations and you're trying to find some structure. Mm-hmm. While species genetics, or like more common phylogenetics, are to try and separate these groups as much as you can. While the population genetics like, is not necessarily separating them, rather than seeing if there's a structure or not, and if you can find these signals of gene flow between these populations or not.
1: So how many populations could you actually differentiate as different species within your sample?
2: um there were two uh fully differentiated species um that are in the process of being described there's one other population that apparently we need more data and i think i'm I'm not sure if it has been collected but it also very distinct but the sampling was very low so we couldn't have enough data while the rest was a big species continuum and interestingly this uh, lizards go all the way from Morocco to Spain and it, for a long time it was separated uh, some people said that the Iberian species or subspecies would be considered a species while the Moroccan are different species but actually the one uh, subspecies that goes from Spain all the way to Morocco it's one species uh, while the different species are actually very restricted to the mountain ranges in Morocco
1: and are they different species because of lower gene flow, I would imagine? Is it because of geographic separation between those populations?
2: Yes, exactly. So we found signals that there has been very little uh, gene flow between these populations and the differentiation is quite big, suggesting a older or a quite old uh, speciation process. And they're very restricted to high altitude mountains in Morocco. So, while the rest are in low-lying uh, lands in, in Morocco and Spain, and ph- uh, phenotypically and morphologically they're also very different. Yeah, they have a lot of markers that are, are very different compared to the other populations.
1: So with the research, does the phenotypic description of these lists match up more with the molecular data that you conducted?
2: Yes, yeah. Um, that was something very nice that these mountain subspecies were more or less thought already that it, they could be some uh, different species and yeah, we confirmed that with the molecular data, while at the same time there's a lot of morphological variation in the big species that encompass from, from southern Spain all the way to Morocco.
1: Did you get to name the species?
2: Uh, no, certainly not. That is the task of the descriptor and that is the morphological part mostly and I was not involved in that.
1: What would you name the species?
2: Um, I don't know, I think I would try to be as descriptive as possible and not really uh, dedicated to
1: anyone. So, no wacky names? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. That's great. Sitting in a lab working with this kind of data, was it at times a little bit depressing, maybe?
2: Um. Yes, and no. Sadly, I mean, I got the tissue already in pieces, so I didn't get to even touch the specimens. Mm-hmm. So after all, I like, you don't really get the concept of, of the specimen itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but for previous Bachelor, I had to do some collection for for tissues and for, for it was for birds. So it was for the for the specimen itself, for the skin. And that's a bit sad, like thinking of like, after all, you're killing some animals even though you know that it's for research and, for example, these new species are, are should be protected because they have very small ranges and yeah, they're very... well, apparently, quite rare. But, yeah. This
1: opens up a new big conversation. Do you think the value of the research that you did justifies the means of killing those organisms?
2: Even though like the process is not very nice of killing animals, to, to put them in collections is still information that that is very precious. And in all of cases, like even birds that are the best studied animals, um, there's a lot of things that we don't know. And only through vouchers in collections and with tissue, we can do further analysis that are not possible by taking just a picture that has been proposed as a, as a substitute.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think your project impacted Uh, future generations of researchers?
2: Um, I think so far, no, because uh, it hasn't been published, but I think it will. Um, Most in number of species in Morocco, for example, or um, maybe also in the approach of how we how we develop this project on using both population genetics and normal phylogenetics to mix them, even though we violate some of the assumptions, but then we can see from different perspectives that more or less the same thing that there are different populations that should be considered different species
1: and with this outcome of unique species now how would you recommend protecting these species
2: mm, i think that's a more trickier question as i'm not very familiar with moroccan uh, protection of species mm. so because the, the parent species, let's say, like the main species, it's very widespread and very common, so it has been kind of ignored by, by protection status, while these smaller species should be protected. So if it wasn't me, like I would suggest the Moroccan government to put them in a speciesist.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. How did you choose which project to conduct in which lab?
2: Um, I was actually looking to broaden my perspectives i had done all my bachelor and some uh research afterwards as a research assistant in on birds um on actually phylogenetics of birds and so i was trying to to broaden up and i did a small project with plants i did another project with reptiles but looking at the morphology of the skulls um, and then this project was very interesting for me because I'm still very interested in the speciation process and even though I hadn't, hadn't worked with reptiles that much, like after all, like the organism is not the the main aspect rather than the process of speciation and whether it's birds or reptiles or whichever organism, like for me it's interesting.
1: Did you have this interest in speciation before you started your project or did it grow and foster?
2: I, no, I, I had uh, even when I was doing my bachelor. so. And still, even though my current project is not specifically on speciation, but I'm, it's still one of my topics that, that I really like.
1: I imagine this was one of the first research projects in your career, or the earliest ones. So how do you think this experience has impacted you till today?
2: Um, it was a very good experience, very interesting as well, um, because neither me nor my supervisor had any idea about the methods that we were using. <laughs> So, at least on my side, it was very nice to have like a hands-on um, experience and learning experience with n- no yeah, no one telling me exactly what to do and just figuring about myself. Sometimes can be very frustrating, um, but at the same time, it's very um, fulfilling once you manage to, to get a program running or a software running and see the results afterward. Um, and I had very nice supervision, but at the same time as he, as my supervisor also was not completely familiar with the methods, he gave me a lot of freedom. So I think that was very helpful and helped me now in my current PhD. Um, also to not be afraid of looking at a new method and like, well, let's just go for it.
1: Great. Um, you conducted this research in Montpellier. What other parts of Montpellier did you enjoy, apart from the research itself?
2: Well, I think Montpellier is a great city. Um, it's uh sometimes a bit warm (laughs) um no but it's the weather is amazing year-round uh it's very close to the beach and it has an amazing atmosphere both for students and for research like there's a lot of research facilities and research institutes around so there's a lot of connectivity between them um and also the university is quite big and diverse so you get a big feeling of of Uh, high education place Um, as well the city is is very nice in architecture it has a lot of medieval streets and monuments and a lot of bars uh, restaurants and places to to go and I think it's one of the the nicest cities that I was
1: okay you so you visited other places during your meme time what other places did you study at
2: I started in Groningen For one semester then I moved to Munich and I stayed there for two semesters and then came here for my last semester.
1: Okay great. What have you been doing since the completion of the MIM program?
2: So I took almost yeah around half a year off Um, uh, but I went back to Munich for a while and did some uh, small like mini jobs for in doing research doing some uh, barcoding for insects and then I started my PhD, which I've been now for, yeah, I'm starting my third year. And so that's what I've been doing since.
1: Do you think the meme program has prepared you for your PhD position?
2: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think the meme program is great in, in that perspective. It, is, it really prepares you for all kind of research um, styles and ways and it gives you the tools as well to, to develop a PhD, so, yeah.
1: Another question, like the friends you made during the Meme program, or the connections that you made, do you still keep them up?
2: Uh, absolutely, uh, one of my best friends is still in Munich with me, um, and some others I don't see that often, but we still are very good in contact, and for example now with this conference I'm meeting quite a, these very good friends that uh, one of them, for example, I was visiting in Peru at, the, at her place and now she's moved to Psavet for her PhD. Um, but yeah, in general, like there's a lot of connection. and There's not only from friends and very close friends from my cohort, but from other memes in other cohorts.
1: And one final question. What was the first instance that you can remember when you first thought about evolution?
2: Mm, that's a tough question. I was always interested in both biology and in general like life and like I remember watching Discovery Channel and National Geographic and stuff since I was like a very small kid with my grandpa and listening to it and probably since then I already had kind of an idea of evolution and how things change and I I think as a lot of us like I was fascinated by dinosaurs and it's like oh dinosaurs and they want extinct but then birds are still dinosaurs so Enough, I think since then was my my first uh, ideas and, and evolution.
1: And finally, where can we find out more about your project updates? What is your website and where can we find you?
2: Uh, well, I'm on Twitter as at Mendes underscore Aranda. Um, that's M-E-N-D-E-S underscore A-R-A-N-D-A. And you can also find me on the or my institute webpage. That is www.orn orn.mpg.de
1: Well, thank you very much for this nice interview and for your time. No, I hope you. to hear more about your future soon.
2: Thank you for inviting. This. this is a very nice
1: experience.
0: And thank you to everyone listening and joining us on this incredible voyage of the meme stream. Now remember you can read up more about Daniel's work on the meme stream blog and ask any questions about what you've heard. The Meme Stream is brought to you by the Erasmus Mundus Master's Program in Evolutionary Biology. Special thanks to the Meme Stream team for all their hard work and dedication to the project. Our intro music is written by the artist Magella, and the little ditty in the end was found in the depths of the internet by YouTuber Sunil Singh. You can follow the Meme Stream on SoundCloud to listen to new episodes, and please remember to rate and share our podcast to help us adapt and evolve.
1: Yeah, it's evolution. It's Darwin's revolution, and it teaches us the history of life.